trust transfer is our flux capacitor, okay? And what are we transferring? We're transferring the trust that our clients, that a senior attorney's clients have in that senior attorney. We're transferring that trust to a successor attorney. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am so happy that you're with me and uh, the show today. We've got a lot, lot to go on, a lot to happen here. Um, listen, we are looking to help you not only be that lawyer from a standpoint of getting your book of business built and 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 b- building balance in your life and just making sure that you're living the best possible life, but some of you are out maybe at the you know considering you know retiring at some point or maybe you're considering merging with another firm and you've got a lot of questions. Um, today's show is going to be a little bit more about that, and I've got a fantastic. Um, friend and guest and Jeremy, who's waiting in the wings to talk all about it. Jeremy, how are you? Doing well, Steve. Thanks for inviting me to the program today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're ex- I'm excited to have you, and I know we're going to get into into the weeds pretty heavily about it. Um, got to, of course, thank the sponsors. We've got Legalese uh, helping with the marketing. We've got Money Penny on the virtual reception or um, live live virtual uh, reception and, and on your website, and of course, Practice Panther helping you get automated with how you run your law practice. Um, Jeremy, you've got an interesting quote, um, not from someone necessarily famous to us all, but very famous to you, and that's your grandfather uh, who wrote you, I believe, a lovely bar mitzvah note, and one of the things that he said to give you advice in life was, always be the first to help, which is, I think, a lesson that our kids need to learn right now, especially the teenagers who are being selfish little pigs. And we got to get them thinking about others and realizing that that's where the reward in life is. So talk to me about, about your grandfather and that quote and why it was so meaningful to you. Steve, thanks so much. And I always enjoy opportunities to honor my, uh, my maternal grandfather and had great experiences with all my grandparents, luckily. Uh, my maternal grandfather, Max Rakov, my brothers and I call him Pipa. Um, he just had it out from the get-go to just teach us life lessons, Steve. I mean, he grew up. Um, working uh, from age six, selling newspapers in in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts. He'd wake up early, sell papers in the morning after school, go out to the corner of uh, Beacon Street and Mass Avenue in Boston. You know, that's not an easy commute for a kid. Bring home the money, put it on the kitchen table. And when my brothers and I were growing up, he wanted to make sure that, you know, that we understood that even though we were living in a pretty much an upper middle class kind of suburban life um, as kids, that that we really needed to know, um, you know, that it's not easy out there, um, and that he worked really hard in life, and so did all my grandparents, really. And so the lessons that uh, that that Peepaw taught my brothers and me, we, we we all reflect on him all the time, and we're just really grateful he had s- such a meaningful impact. I wouldn't be surprised if I quote him again during the course of this podcast. Yeah, and, and honestly, the people that that look to help first and that look to give first, and and they they always do better in 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 business and in life than people that just take and are kind of you know greedy about things, and and they just don't they just aren't going to be as relevant in the marketplace in in a year to five years to ten years. So I think your grandfather was a very wise man, and uh, and I'm glad that you were able to to learn from him and and figure out you know the the lessons he was teaching you are you know important for your life. Thank you. 
Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy Pook, you are the founder of Senior Attorney Match. And now some people are going to say, well, wait a second, is he a recruiter? The answer is no, you're not a recruiter. You're actually doing something very interesting. And I'm going to save that for you to give your background and then get into like what you actually do for lawyers because it's super interesting. And I said right before we got on air that, you know, there just aren't a lot of people doing this and that's okay for you. That's okay for everybody. But I think lawyers need to know about you and what you do uh, is a very important kind of like, I'll I'll get into my father later because I think he made a terrible, you know, end of the career decision. But anyway, you're on, you're on, go for it. Steve, thanks so much. So senior attorney match, we do two things. We work with attorneys primarily that are that have practiced more than 30 years, and we help them to design succession plans for their practices. How can they sell their practice? What is their practice worth? Should they consider an internal sale or a sale to what we call a growing law firm? And then after designing plans with our clients, we then go out and implement on them. So then we, we broker them. So you were saying before that senior attorney match that we're, we're not recruiters. You're right. Technically, we are brokers. We're brokering the sales of law practices. We're facilitating that, though, by and large, via recruiting. That is, and we're going to talk a lot about this, I think, Steve, that many internal successors, right? Think about your senior associates, your junior partners, even your partners in law firms that are led by these senior attorneys, attorneys that have practiced more than 30 years. Those junior people in your practice, they often don't want to purchase your practice internally. So we're offering structuring these sales by recruiting senior attorneys and their lawyer staff and their non-lawyer staff into growing law firms. Yeah. And what's your back? How do you, I mean, I know you're you're an attorney and and uh give, but give what led up to this, because that that's not something that you came up with overnight. This is something that that was led to. Yeah, thanks so much. So so a couple of answers there. I probably should have gone stage right to business school instead of law school. Um, and then I think there's a bit of, of genes to this. It took me a little while to, to, to see this, Steve. My father and my paternal grandfather both went to law school, practiced for a little bit, and then went outside of the law and went into real estate. And they were in commercial real estate sales and management of real estate. So it's not all that surprising, but my trajectory, that is, went to law school. Um, gravitated towards working with business brokers. So helping them paper deals, okay? So I got pretty close with business brokers throughout New England, joined the New England uh, Business Brokers Association, helped them paper their deals on both the buy side and the sell side. And then to your question about, okay, what led up to senior attorney match, began observing at those meetings that their focus, and it was very smart of them at the turn, so weird, Steve, to say the turn of the century. It makes me, it makes us feel, <laughs> like, like I think the turn of the century, like 1901, not like 2001, yeah. but for these purposes, around the year 2000, the business brokers were already focusing on the boomers. And there I was sitting in those meetings thinking, why aren't they brokering the sales of law practices? Yeah. And that's really where the idea went off, thinking, wow, there are, there are hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of boomer attorneys in the United States, let alone New England, where I am, and they have value to their practices. And if the business brokers in this room aren't brokering the sales, it doesn't mean there's not an opportunity here. There's not a market need for it. And that's really where the idea for Senior Attorney Match came up. And that was about 2010. And then I launched the business in 2013. Okay. And was there any form of a uh, be that lawyer tipping point for you in either that decision or just in your career? You know, I'm very grateful that I've been working with a certain business coach for a long time. So he and I would noodle over this idea for a while, you know, because, you know, as, you know, as with student loan debt, 
and having a job, getting married, thinking about having children. And then like, wow, am I really going to stop what I'm doing and practicing law? I have a decent job. I don't like it. And I know, Steve, you work with a lot of attorneys like that, right? I fell in that category. Like I'm practicing law, but it's not where, it's not where my passion is. And then the sort of tipping point to your, to your question is that I was working with a colleague of mine, a financial planner, who was purchasing the practice of another financial planner. And I was thinking to myself, geez, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be brokering these. But on the lawyer side, coincidentally, the lawyer on the, on the sell side happened to be a senior attorney, right? It's an amazing attorney. I'll mention his name. I have so much respect for him. Bob Gorfinkel, okay, of Braintree, Massachusetts. And um, Bob had that prototypical internal person that could not, that was not going to purchase Bob's practice. And I talked with my business coach, Scott, and built up the guts because I was like, oh, what should I say to Bob? Should I say it in the Bob? And so after the deal closed on the sale of the financial planning price, I said, you know, Bob, we just closed on this deal. If you would ever think of selling your law practice, I would love the opportunity to do the exact same thing we just papered over for our clients. And luckily, he said, yeah, Jeremy, you know what? Let's, let's give it a shot. And uh, it was a great experience, um, and 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 I'm so grateful to Bob. He's a lawyer's lawyer, and I'm sure Steve, you know what I mean by that. Like just in terms of the contracts and whatnot. So many of my documents today that we use, I'm so grateful for all of the long nights I had with Bob Gorfinkel because we we really crafted a lot of documents that I that I still use today. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt to have a lawyer, a close lawyer like my father. You know, helped me out in many situations. Uh, you know, where I was able to get through the the language on a contract or something where, you know, I got into trouble with the police one time and he just like, he's like, wait in the car. And I, we yeah. went into the police station. He came out, he says, all right, we're okay. I was like, what the heck? And he never told me what he said, but anyway, <laughs> he refused to tell me, but he got me out of a jam. Um, Very nice. so, yeah, it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt. Um, so I think there's a disconnect between lawyers thinking of their law practices as businesses and their their mindset about like hey i could actually build something that's sellable so why why is there that disconnect between lawyers and 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 thinking about a sellable business similar to if i ran a marketing company or if i ran a you know a, a company that provided products sure it's a great it's a really great question and 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 many lawyers of course don't think of their their businesses as a business because they think of it as a profession right like right. i said before like I should have gone stage right into to business school because so many lawyers, we go into this because of the love of the law, the love of the profession. And then we realize at one point or another that, okay, well, you know what, by default, I'm actually running a business, you know, but I, but what I need for my business is I need clients, right? The more clients I have, the more money that comes in, I can hire, I can hire other lawyers, I can hire other support staff. Uh, towards the end of the year, I can look and see, okay, am I actually making money this year? What looking towards next year? Um, I know that I just need to bring in this number of clients and, and build this number of billable hours, and I'll have a good year. So hence that mindset of, okay, am I building something of wealth that I could actually sell is typically not part of the mindset until senior attorneys start reaching like age 60, 65, 70. And they're like, oh, wait a second. I actually have something of value here, but what is it? Like, what, what, who would want it? Because my clients come to me. Okay. I get that all the time, Steve. Right. right. But, I was just, I was just, I mean, you pivoted perfectly. Like, I was about to say, hey, I'm the business, right? My father, Larry Fretzen, was 
the business. And so how do you sell something where everybody loves the lawyer? They don't have, you know, the 10 underlings under them and that infrastructure set up. So is that even a sellable thing? All right. So I'm going to skip ahead a bit. Okay. I'm going to skip ahead to what we call the flux capacitor of the senior attorney match model. So I think everybody will remember that, that <laughs> really fun scene, Back to the Future, right? Where, where where Doc explains like how time travel works, right? It's the flux capacitor, okay? And hence, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox can go back to 1980, whatever, okay? Um, to answer your question, like how does any lawyer transfer the value? It's what we call trust transfer. Trust transfer is our flux capacitor, okay? And what are we transferring? We're transferring the trust that our clients, that a senior attorney's clients have in that senior attorney. We're transferring that trust to a successor attorney. And here, Steve, it's a, it's a syllogism. I was really bad in geometry, like real bad. I, I sat in the back of class. I was in the 50s club with, a, I won't name this other person. He's probably a Supreme Court justice at this point for all I know, but he and I were terrible at geometry. We'd sit in the back, we were in the 50s club. For whatever weird reason, I just remembered, probably because of like the name of it, I just remembered syllogism, okay? That A, if A equals B and B equals C, then C equals A. And that is part of trust transfer. That is, if the clients trust the senior attorney, the senior attorney trusts his or her successor, the clients will trust the successor. Now, how does this all fit in, in terms of law firm sales? Because the value of the practice is based upon, at least right now, what we call law firm sales 1.0, it's based upon the senior attorney's client list, that book of business that lawyers develop over the course of their careers. That's the value, okay? For lawyers to be paid consideration on the value of that client list, they need to implement that syllogism, that trust transfer for attorney Jones to say, you know what, I just joined the ABC law firm and I'm working with attorney Diane Smith Diane is amazing in the same practice area as me. Let's say commercial real estate. She can read leases and revise leases even better than me. So when we have this new shopping center lease that you want me to do because I've been doing it for the last 20 years, you know what? Diane's going to do it just as well. Steve, when that, that just as well, right, phrase is said, the trust transfer happens. Yep. The client sticks with the successor. The successor pays a percentage of the fee to the senior attorney, and that's how law firm sales, and we can go into more details on it, but that's yep. essentially how law firm sales happen. It's a, it's a sharing of fees based upon the clients that join the successor or stay with the successor, and those sharing of fees occur during a negotiated period of time. Yep. Did you know that 36% of potential clients would take their business elsewhere if they had a bad call experience? Roll out the red carpet for your callers and website visitors with experienced and professional Moneypenny receptionists. Our awesome team, super powered by technology, will get to know your business inside out so they can answer calls and respond to web chats exactly as if part of your team. Start your free trial by quoting the name Fretson and get started today with Moneypenny. With the help of Practice Panther, our office is more efficient than ever. We now provide an even higher level of service to our clients. I've collaborated with Practice Panther for years and I'm always hearing from happy customers just like that one. Practice Panther wants to save you up to eight hours every week and I want to save you money. 
all my listeners can get an exclusive discount, 50% off your first three months. Learn how your firm can boost productivity with automated workflows, custom intake, and native e-payments by visiting practicepanther.com slash be that lawyer to discover more and claim this deal. Legally's marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at legalesemarketing.com. And I think my father's big mistake in, look, had a fantastic career and just celebrated his 88th birthday with this weekend. Yeah. And he's still kicking. It's <laughs> just so funny. Check out the 200th episode of Be That Lawyer, everybody, if you want to hear me stick it up with my father, uh, Larry awesome. the Lawyer. But he in the 11th in you know, a half hour got a couple of knuckleheads to basically take over the business, his individual solo practice, and they ran it into the ground in six months because he didn't do the trust transfer. He didn't, he wasn't educated, he wasn't knowledgeable about how to do what you're saying, Jeremy. And it's so important that people talk with you because it could be the difference between having that additional revenue and that additional, you know, business sale potentially versus just again running it into ground. It was like not that it was all for nothing. He made a living and he got the retirement right. and all that. But there's more that, you know, on top of that, if you work smartly, work intelligently, I should say, before you, you know, get to the point where it's it's the eleventh and a half hour. Right. Yeah. You know, and some of our clients, Steve, they do come to us too late or and I don't know, we've worked with the estates of lawyers and there there's really no value because we go back to that flux capacitor. You need the lawyer there to transfer the trust. And the ideal buyer is typically what we're saying to our clients is typically your friendly competitor. It's typically the lawyer that's 20 years younger than you and that has that same level of hunger that you had to grow your business and to be top class and your same practice areas, and that exists typically in almost every community, that is the right buyer we're finding that wants to take what you as the senior attorney um, have developed and continue it and grow it. And especially, Stephen, you know, kudos to you for your, for your new book. I can see right behind you, you yeah. know, it isn't rocket, you know, it isn't rocket science. And you recognize about the, the, you know, the impact that we're now in the digital age and social media. So many of our clients, they, they haven't connected with their clients on LinkedIn or in any meaningful ways, digital marketing wise. I'll just share with you, Steve, I thought this was really fascinating. A client of mine recently joined a growing firm, right? And she was super organized. So we knew she had 997 clients. Like that's really amazing that like she had it down the client list. Well, she sent via constant contact to all of her clients announcing that she joined this growing firm. You know what the open rate was on that? No. 80%. Yeah. Right? That's really high. Oh, yeah. Because that trust is so high. And so those the, the lawyers at that firm are really psyched. They're going to be able to market to her clients, of course, in ethical ways yeah. for the areas that she's in. But that practice, which is very typical for buyers, Steve, that practice does more than what she's done. So from a cross-marketing standpoint, there's all kinds of opportunities there to leverage that trust transfer. Yeah, and there's right now a record number of lawyers, whether they're being forced into it or it's a, a personal decision, that are getting out of the law firm space and, and mm. starting their own their own gig with a couple of buddies or a couple of gals or whatever it might be, or just on their own. 
And they're not thinking about, you know, in some cases, they're not thinking about the sale at the end. They're just thinking about making it, you know, how do we, you know, build enough business for to, to, to eat year after year and put money away or whatever. My question to you is, how different is it for someone to just stay solo, build those client relationships and do great work for, you know, till they're 60 or 65, whatever the year is, versus someone who brings in an associate and then two and then three and has like, I've got some clients that have you know, four or five lawyers working for them with them. How different is that when it comes to saleability of firm? Yeah. So we're talking about a couple things here. Okay. So let's talk about that. First, the lawyer that has like multiple lawyers working under him or her, right? And they had, presumably they cover several practice areas. There's not an internal buyer. Like that's real interesting value there to that growing firm. So I'll say, especially in today's market, but regardless of the of whether there is a need for talent as there is right now at this point in history, right? The need for talented lawyers and office staff, right? Where to take those lawyers, the senior attorney, the lawyers, the lawyer staff, go to another firm, hugely value. Don't need to train those people. They've got the relationship with the clients, great value there. Now let's talk about what you were saying about the solo, right? The solo person doesn't build it, you know, builds up clients, so you know, over, you know, over the years. I'm going to break that into two parts, okay? There's the, let's assume that those people that, that create their own practice now post-2020, if they're smart, and hopefully they are, they're going to realize that we have now entered in what we call the 3.0 digital age for law firms. They're going to recognize that there's brand value, okay? That they can be out there marketing their firm using SEO, pay-per-click, okay? creating a trade name for their law firm. And I'm sure clients of yours are doing this now, right? Why the heck in 2022, heading towards 2023 and further into this decade, why do we still need to name law firms after the surname, you know, of the founding lawyer? Like we're not in 17th century England anymore, right? Yeah. You know, we are in the 21st century and using trade names is permissible. I'm pretty sure in every single state today in the United States. So if that lawyer is creating real brand value, and even as a solo has brand value, a URL that we can show all kinds of data analytics of how the clients come in, that has, re that has real value. The solo that practices in a pre-2020 world, okay, let's just say, let's just pick on a particular area, intellectual property, right? They're amazing at, you know, at IP litigation. Right? They were charging out at $1,200 an hour in some firm in Chicago. Now they've got a boutique practice and they charge at $800 an hour and they've got six clients and like they, they kill it right? as a solo doing that. Yeah. What do they, but what do they have to sell? Right? They have six clients. Right? And so like those six clients could be huge. right? Yeah. But, but if those six clients aren't so huge, like what does that person necessarily have to sell if they've, you know, if, if, if 40% of those six clients, I got a call like this recently, 40% of those six clients, is, it makes up all of the revenue. In a, you know, in a fee sharing situation, okay, great. Could they do something when they're looking to retire and fee share off of those clients? That's where trust transfer is, is huge. The person with the brand value that has data analytics, we're going to be heading into what I call law firm sales 2.0 soon enough. We're already there for, in personal injury law. Where, where we have predictability, okay? John Morgan knows from Morgan & Morgan. They know how many clients they're going to be getting in each of their markets where they're pouring in tons of digital and TV. And I don't know if they're on radio. I cert we all, we certainly all yeah, see Yeah, they, they got the, the biggest spend in the industry, right? Yep. So 
it's so I think I think it sounds like you've got an opportunity regardless, but I just wonder if somebody's a solo and they say, you know what, if I can add two or three associates, so I'm 50, let's say I'm 55, I'm a lawyer and I go, you know, I really want to retire by the time I'm 65 or at least slow down a bit. If I said, look, if I can just bring in three or four associates and whatever, and not offer them the, the of course they could buy the practice if they want, but if it's built to sell and you've got that support team in place, you've got the lawyers in place, your overhead's low, your brand is high. Is that kind of like the promised land for a small firm, you know, to, to make it at the end of the game? So yes, with a but. Okay. okay. That is in law firm sales 1.0, which I, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, the consideration of that, just to be clear to the listeners, is an earnout. Okay, is that we've got these clients and the referral sources that the seller is bringing over, including in that example that you just that you just brought up, and, a, and and buyers will say, "Great, you bring over those clients and referral sources. We'll pay you that percentage over a negotiated period of time." Said differently, that is a one hundred percent seller financed sale of a law practice. Now, the lawyer that can show data analytics and predictability. Of that the clients are coming in not just because you know this is the Fretzen law firm, okay, and they're asking for Steve Fretzen. I know Steve, you're not a lawyer, but let's just yeah. But, you, you but are, you're you're right? but you're selling you're selling the machine that's been created. Correct. Okay. In that situation, then banks are going to start actually lending to buyers because of the machine that you just mentioned. Right. And that's where we're at. And it's really fun, Steve. And I'll just share this with you because you get to see, um, you know, unlike a lot of, you know, like, like like people involved in the legal industry outside of like CFOs, you get to see a lot of P&Ls of your law firms. Luckily, luckily, but I do too. And it's so fascinating to me that the marketing spend by most law firms that I see is still way too low, way, way too low. And as a result, those growing firms, you just talked about this lawyer that wants to build it up to several associates and sell later, pour some money into digital marketing, create that machine that you're talking about and show that the revenues are coming in via Google and, and via other kinds of digital entrees into the firm instead of, oh, I'm, I'm looking for attorney Fretzel, I'm looking for attorney Pook, I'm looking for attorney Johnson. You know, that's going to make the law firm even more valuable and can actually and will actually garner upfront money. Yeah. Well, that's just so interesting. I think this is where people's minds need to be. It's it's the value of what you can bring in and the relationships and the marketing working together, the relationship side with the clients and in the business development side and the marketing side working together. And I've written on this even recently in the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin. I think it might be, oh, back from, you know, let's say August, you know, July, August, September in 2022, talking about, you know, intelligent lawyers need to consider the relationship side, the business development side of the mountain, and then the marketing side of the mountain, and they meet at the peak. And that's really where the business uh, generation happens. And also, it sounds like that's where the business might be most sellable. Yeah, exactly. And then there's also the handoff, you know, and and I really appreciate the opportunity on the be that lawyer and be with you. And I know you're one of the country's leading coaches when it comes to business development for lawyers. And we're regularly saying, Steve, that the this is not a word in the English language, but we say it nonetheless, okay? The winningest, maybe it is a word, but I don't think so. The winningest meeting from a business development standpoint is when the senior attorney, 60-something or early 70-something, walks into the meeting with one or two 40-somethings. 
right? The client knows they've got the wisdom of the senior attorney that they have trusted for so many years together with that youth, but not too young attorney. And to get that synergy down between the two of them is there's a need for coaching, right? Yeah. Because you're typically of two different generations where often that winningest meeting we're talking about needs coaching because you've got the boomer attorney walking in either with the Xer or the millennial, but when they're in tune with each other, clients love it. Well, and the biggest misstep that lawyers make, and again, I've had countless, you know, experts come in and talk about this with my managing partner, you know, my roundtable groups and things, is that the lawyer, everyone wants me. I'm the lawyer. I'm the name on the door. I'm the lawyer everybody wants. I'm be that lawyer, whatever it is. And they haven't figured out the importance of having that lieutenant, having that 40-something, and making sure that clients understand this is a team. This isn't me. It's a we. It's not I. It's we. And if that's not how you're playing the game, you're in for you know trouble down the road. You've got to make it the we game, not the I game, and understand that that transfer of, of authority and, and, and expertise and all those things happens when you bring in that. 40 something or 50 something to your point. And I just, I think it's like, they just can't seem to get over that hump of understanding how that works. Yeah. I can't agree with you more. You know I mean? Especially for those lawyers that want to be able to monetize their law practices, right? We're all, thank God, right? We're all living longer. Okay. And, and we're going to, lawyers are going to need, lawyers make plenty of money, but lawyers are going to need the the money that their practices can generate but without doing that trust transfer that you just referenced that we talk about we talked about throughout this podcast today they're not going to be able to monetize it to the extent that they can and i'll just share with you steve i've been doing this for 10 years and not that we've served thousands and thousands of clients but in doing this for about 10 years now since, since 2013 i've only come across one unicorn one unicorn and she's an unbelievable mediator and there, I think that she has such a a, a, a skill set that replacing her and that particular skill set, very, very hard. But by and large, that there are not unicorns. Sorry for to add some humility to the really amazing lawyers that listen to this podcast. But yes, there are lawyers that can do it just about as well as you. And, and you can teach them. And by the way, your clients want to know that they're going to be in good hands when you're not going to be there for the rest of your life. Yep. Really, really important stuff. Let's wrap it up with, with, well, before we get to game changing book, let's wrap it up with, do you have a success story to share that, you know, keep it brief, but like a success story that happened in the last couple of years where someone maybe didn't realize they had this business that was sellable or this business that was transferable or whatever. And then what was sort of the outcome of that in uh, how they kind of wrap things up in their career? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. So, so I have a very much on point answer for that. So I'm in a networking group and someone in my networking group contacted me because she shared space with a go-to zoning attorney for a given city in Massachusetts, a certain town in Massachusetts. And she said, you know, I think you should talk to the person I share space with because he's thinking of just hanging up his cleats. I heard you help people sell law practices. Why don't you just talk to him? I called him. He's like, I don't think I have anything. I'm just going to spread out my clients, going to hand them out to some of my colleagues, call it a day, right? So what are you nuts? Like you're the <laughs> go-to, right? 
You are the go-to zoning attorney for this really affluent town in Massachusetts. And it just so happened by coincidence that, and I don't represent many growing firms, we're typically representing the senior attorneys, but a growing firm that I represent, they have a zoning attorney that happens to have on-point experience in the adjacent town as this town had a little bit of experience in the town that this senior attorney was in. Long story short, he joins that firm. He's been able to make tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars Okay, he's continued to practice a little bit with what we call a win-win-win. Win for the senior attorney, win for the growing firm to get those clients and yep. build off of his reputation, and a huge win for the clients because they're in they're in they're in great hands. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And I think again, you know, if we could go back in time with the flux capacitor and we could get my father, you know, I wish I could have gotten my hands on him, you know, a year or two before he retired. I and I'm not saying he would have a whole different lifestyle. He's a you know, he grew up in the depression. So like, you know, he still doesn't know how to spend money and he hates spending money on anything. I got him a sweater for his birthday from Marshall's just because I knew he didn't want me to spend a lot of money. I mean, that's, that's where he is in his mindset. That's okay. And I said it was Marshall Fields without the fields because that's gone anyway. But only my wife got that joke, by the way, when I said it. No, I got it. Don't worry. No, no. But I'm saying like at the time when I mentioned that joke in front of my family, like no one really picked up on it, but my wife thought it was great. (laughs) So it's, I think it's really important that people understand, you know, get in early to, you know, to talk with you, Jeremy, or, you know, to make sure that you understand the numbers, to understand what the value is, to understand what the saleability is now or in the future. If people want to get in touch with you to understand kind of what their potential is for the future and, and, and all that, what are the best ways for them to reach you? Thanks so much. So the website, seniorattorneymatch.com. Um, but then also LinkedIn. And many of us use LinkedIn today. And on LinkedIn, I lead a twice a month, seven minute live stream called the state of the market for law firm sales in seven minutes. So I okay. uh, welcome people to check that out. Yeah. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes Thank real you. quick. We've got a, I don't think it's a game changing book. I think it's a game changing like social media guy, a Gary V, right? Yeah. So I'm hooked on Gary Vinerchuk, And, you know, I know you'd asked about, you know, a game changing book, but I'm a lousy reader, the lawyer who's a lousy reader, who would have known, but <laughs> I, I really enjoy podcasts and, um, you know, and, and listening to Gary and he puts out podcasts every single day is very helpful in terms of, you know, listening to something in the non-legal space, but he focuses so much on digital and we in law are always behind, right? And so to listen to people that are a little ahead and to see where we're going, where the, the legal industry is in digital we're getting we were dragged into it by the you know by the pandemic we're not leaving it and law firms need to get much more digitized all right well check out gary v i know he i've watched his stuff for years and you know jeremy just thanks so much for being on the show sharing your wisdom i think a lot of people listening have their eyes open to the potential if they work hard to be that lawyer and you know focus on the marketing the business development you know getting that lieutenant in place there's all kinds of great things to do to to end the business uh, or wind it down in a way that's more profitable. So just appreciate you uh, you sharing your wisdom. Steve, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure. And everybody, thank you for spending some time with Jeremy and I today. Hopefully it helps you get a little closer to being that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. 
For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.